0: Welcome to the very first episode of the CMC podcast. We're still in the early phase of doing a podcast, so changes can still happen. In fact, just to put it out there, if somebody feels at some point they want to do a better job with this podcast, we would gladly have that conversation. Right now, you have me. I'm Alexander Brandt. I've been in this conference for about six and a half years and it's been uh, a very interesting journey. It's been good getting to know this conference, understanding the people and the, the intentions and the mission of the conference. So why are we doing this podcast? I think that's a great question to ask. I think the reason we're doing this podcast is because, as Ministerial, we understand how the conference works. And it's very, very easy for us to just assume that everyone in the the churches understands how the conference works. It's easy for us, Ministerial, to think, since we are discussing something that all the Churches know about that thing. We generally assume that people are reading the Chronicle, but from my personal experience, that isn't reaching as many people as it could. And I'm not saying we're trying to replace the Chronicle. I do think that we are trying to make some of that information more accessible. So, this podcast could be a space for missionaries to give updates, or we have the opportunity to speak to church leaders, those both in our conference and those that are related or close to our conference. We might have the opportunity to speak to professors and teachers, people that study the Word thoroughly, That. Study the word on a regular basis for their jobs. These sorts of things, I believe, could make a podcast like this really valuable to the people in the conference, to you. That being said, this podcast, this video podcast, is not going to be trying to become the next big thing. We aren't trying to inundate people with the latest information about the most cutting-edge topics. We are simply trying to bring the conversations that the CMC is having to the people in the CMC. The conversations that missionaries are having amongst themselves about the struggles and the encouragements of doing missions. And one of the ways that we could really benefit the people of the CMC is just by helping them connect. We want to help people in the CMC connect with one another. We want to encourage people in Winkler and Steinbach, people in BC. We want to connect the different churches to the same kinds of conversations to help people understand what kind of conversations we're having. With that being said, today being our first ever episode I want to sit down with some of the executive in our conference to help really bring a clear picture of what the the conference does, what the executive as part of the conference does for the churches, so that we can all understand the value of conference. We get into some questions about election and nominations and how the delegate system works before we get too far i just want to share one of the things that i've been learning recently and it says this in ruth chapter 2 and i just want to read two verses here ruth chapter 2 verse 11 and this is boaz speaking to ruth who has come to his field boaz replied to her all that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth, and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work, and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. This response of Boaz is so fascinating, because verse 11, in some ways, his response is trying to, to draw Ruth into the story of Abraham, into the covenant of Abraham, or at least draw a parallel to show how Abraham left his people, his relatives, left everything behind to seek the Lord, and Boaz is making that connection, you, Ruth, left everything, and you've served your mother-in-law, and you've done so, and you've sought the Lord. And then, verse 12, Boaz blesses Ruth, and he has this beautiful blessing. May the Lord reward your work, and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Now, Boaz, we assume from the narrative, is one of few righteous men in Israel. We know from chapter 1 that Ruth takes place during the times when the Judges judged. And this is a time of lawlessness. People did whatever was right in their own eyes. Sure, when the Judges showed up, then they followed God for a while, but as soon as the Judge disappeared, they went back to doing things however they wanted. And so, Boaz understands that Ruth has come to seek the Lord then Boaz also understands that it's the Lord that blesses Ruth. It is the Lord that's going to bless Ruth. And he blesses her by the Lord. And then he says, um, The God of Israel under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. And interestingly, this this word for wings is like a word for mantle, which later in the story we know that Boaz spreads his mantle over Ruth. He covers Ruth. He commits to being her protector. And so Boaz recognizes that that is the Lord that blesses. Boaz recognizes is the Lord that works and moves. And yet he's not afraid to participate in that. He's not afraid to be the one the Lord uses to spread the Lord's mantle by spreading his own mantle, his own wings over Ruth. and I love this story because it's a beautiful story of people seeking the Lord. It's a beautiful story of the Lord's faithfulness. It's a beautiful story of how God is working. It's a story of how God provides for the people that seek Him. And so now you're going to see the interview that I had with uh, Sam Dirksen, Stan Fries, and and Dave Reimer. I hope that gives you some insight about the conference, and I hope that gives you some clarity about the value that the conference has for you as people, for individuals in the CMC, and I, I ultimately hope that The Lord can use this podcast to help us, as people, become a more unified church. Before getting to the interview, let's just take a moment to pray for our churches. Father, it has been a tough 12 months for churches. It's been a tough 12 months for our churches. Lord, I pray for this body of believers, this CMC. I pray, Lord, that you would watch over us and that we would desire to take refuge in you, that we would have a desire to seek refuge in you. Father, you are good and you are faithful. I pray that we would be willing to participate in your good work when we have the opportunity to. Thank you, Lord, for all the work that you have done. Thank you, Lord, for your Son, Jesus Christ, coming to save us from our sins. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay. I am personally very familiar with the work of the conference. I've been a part of the conference for a while. I've seen the benefit. Uh, I've recognized that the conference does a lot of work behind the scenes, and yet it's sometimes hard to explain that benefit that I know about to the person sitting in the benches, to the people in the pews. What does the conference actually do? You three are the elected leaders of the CMC conference. So I just wanna sit down with you, ask a few questions and see what you guys know and uh, see if we can describe to the everyday person in the CMC what the conference does. So uh, let me just start with some introductions. Who are you and what do you have as a position? And how did you end up in that position? Uh, let's just start with Sam. You're the newest to this, uh, to this group. Yes, uh, my name is
1: Sam Dirksen. I've been a pastor in the CMC for a number of years. And uh, my position is uh, one of the assistant bishops in the conference. And I got there, uh, uh, it was through an election, actually. And uh, the years at uh, Zilberfeld, and then we moved to New Bothwell. I, I pastored in that church. So um, that is, and actually, uh, I have grown up in this conference, so it started way back. So the only two conferences I've ever been a part of is the Gortitzer Mennonite Conference and the Christian Mennonite Conference, which are now the same.
2: Well <laughs>
0: done.
3: Yeah. Uh, My name is Stan Friesen. I'm uh, the other assistant bishop, and uh, I'm uh, I'm a pastor at Steinbeck Church, and because I was elected as a pastor in a local church, uh, my name got onto the nomination ballot for the assistant bishop uh, some years ago now, and uh, from that, uh, the conference members elected me as as the assistant bishop. So that's how I came to be in this position.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, so... Sam would be the newest on this committee but he's been here pastoring the longest probably about as long as all of the rest of us put together right Sam (laughs) Uh, (laughs) anyways yeah I got I uh I pastored our church in Winnipeg for for 10 years and then uh when the uh I'm the bishop currently Dave Reimer uh and when um so I was pastor in the church in Winnipeg for 10 years. And when the, when the election came up for bishop, which is a five-year term, um, previous bishop had retired. And so we had elected a new bishop. And so the, the ministerial nominates the the candidates and, and then the memberships of the of, of the churches do the election. And I got elected. And so that's my role at this
0: point. Okay. So what do you do as bishop, Dave? Uh,
2: well, in, in short, I... Um, run the business of the conference so i call the conference meetings uh, so it's it's uh conference pastor pastoring to to the pastors and also leading the meetings of the conference um so when the ministerial meets and we decide what needs to be done then we try to make sure that those things get done as a conference so uh, and and one of the big things would be about making sure there's that there's leaders in all of the churches so that's those
0: would be the primary roles so does that include any d- difficult uh, aspects of your job? The,
2: the good parts only part? Well, I, and I think I would say with regard to having, uh, making sure there's leaders in all of the churches, uh, sometimes there's, when there's uh, issues that come up in the local churches that involve leaders, uh, then uh, we end up addressing some of the challenges that come up there, so... And so, making sure the leaders are in place, making sure they're healthy, and making sure sure the churches are healthy. And then, when uh, when leaders um, are done their roles, then to find new leaders for those positions. So it's uh, it, when when there's conflict, we end up getting involved because uh, Stan enjoys that. I think that would be the reason, right? <laughs> it's the reason. It's the one of the responsibilities of the conference uh, executive to get involved and to help churches work through those things. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. Stan, why don't, you, why don't you tell us why your position uh, exists? What do you do?
3: Well, one of them, uh, I try to keep uh, keep the bishop and the assistant bishop in line. So that's that's the tough part. And then, and then we have the conference deacon, and then uh, that's out of my league. So I leave that up to the bishop. So um, other than that, uh, we're part of a, a team. Executive team is what we call ourselves, the bishop, uh, the assistant bishops, and the conference deacon, who is Jake Weep. And so... The four of us uh, uh, get to talk about some of the leadership things with Dave leading us in these conversations with regarding challenges, uh, conflict uh, within our conference churches, uh, direction, visioning, those kinds of things, and so uh, he leads us in these conversations, and the and the four of us will, will have conversation and uh, establish some uh, direction or some conversation going further with our conference ministerial and so on. Um, I also have the the privilege of being on our uh, some of our, our conference committees, and so. Part of what I do personally in the conference is uh, is I get to be with the conference youth committee, and uh, so I get to be on there with you, Alexander. And then we have three, three youth leaders from various churches in our conference, and that's been a real blessing. And we uh, we plan biannual youth retreats for all our churches, and uh, we plan annual youth leader retreats. And so we try to encourage and build up and resource our youth leaders, and so. Uh, that's, uh, some of the things as a conference we get to do for our local church leaders and uh, help them with that, with that. Uh, and one, a big part of, of our, our retreats are just connecting our youth leaders together from our various churches so they can just have a conversation with one another and build relationship and, uh, and help each other out with uh, various challenges they might have or questions they might have. So that's what I get to do. Uh, currently I'm facilitating, uh, Discipleship 242 is what we're calling it uh, for our young men and women in our conference who are uh, leading in, in various ministries and uh, showing uh, our revealing abilities and gifts uh, to, to lead in our conference. And so we just want to resource them. Again, we, we're teaching. Currently, we're going through Revelation with Dave Reimer. And so he's uh, walking through, through the book with us. And the idea is to uh, to equip them so that uh, some tools to use as they continue in leadership. So those are some of the ways that I get to I get I'm privileged to be involved in our in our conference.
0: So Sam, you have a, a similar position as Stan, but is there anything that you do differently that uh, makes your role unique, or do you and Stan say these are our responsibilities? let's just cut them in half you take monday to wednesday morning and i take the rest
1: yeah that's a good uh, good question we've uh, i've been carrying stan on my back for some time now <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no we, we do work together and i think uh, the word resource has been used here a number of times and i think that's a key to this committee and uh, so uh, by having uh, one more person on the committee, the second assistant bishop, it's been good to be able to have that conversation. And of course, then if someone is busy one night then another person can step in and help out. And uh, I think that works really well uh, for myself. I would say that uh, was something I really enjoy for you know, being in this is the visioning for the conference, um, taking a look at where we can go and how we can get there. Uh, that's always been something I've really enjoyed and I think also expressing encouragement uh, to our leaders is something I've enjoyed, maybe with a phone call or a conversation. I think that's uh, kind of where I bring in some of the some of the uh, the gifts that I have. And of course, uh, if Dave is uh, uh, if Dave is absent for some reason, then Stan and I uh, try and help out there as well. So uh, if Dave is needing a hand that way, he he uh, calls on us to give him a hand. So.
0: Before you became assistant Bishop, Sam, you were involved with the name change. Uh, you mentioned the two conferences that you're a part of, but yeah. Yes. What that sort of visioning, that's part of what you really enjoy doing or, or is that more of the you know, semantics that don't really change anything?
1: Well, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I mean, that conversation was on the table for a very long time and, uh, and it came up a number of times over the years. And so being a part of that was very interesting, especially getting to see all the creative names that came up. I would add that there was about 85 names that we had at one point uh, that we started to whittle away on, it came down to three, and then we chose one. Um, and we had to, of course, say that we were, we had to first decide whether we we're gonna, whether the Gordon Sermenade Conference was an option or not, right? To go back to the name we had or not. And so after we chose not to, uh, the names that came out were uh, were very interesting. So I actually I did enjoy that process. Um, uh, very creative uh, people that we have in our conference, and so that was that was good. Yeah.
0: So Dave, what would you say is the primary benefit that that the conference brings to people in the conference?
2: Yeah, I think there's a number of things. Um, first of all, there's an administration piece to this. Uh, Think of when i think of um the payroll kind of questions uh, the charitable donations kind of question the uh, registrations with the government on some of these things the accounting the audits that need to happen with charitable organizations so we have janet here in the office who looks after a lot of the paperwork that way and uh and i would say if, if that that to me is the first one um that if you know, I the conference could do without leaders like us but but the Janet has to be here uh, to keep some of those things real rolling and if she's doing a lot of those things um, that's um. not every church has to hire uh, an accountant to, uh, and a bookkeeper to be looking after some of the things that she's doing and so that saves uh, saves us a lot of work if we do that together uh, and then there's a uh, legal things with regard to pro- properties capital assets and and uh, registration when that name gets registered, then our trustees step in and, uh, and talk to the lawyers and get those, the, those things worked out so that uh, the name actually does change, building sales and different things like that. So mm-hmm. the administration things, first of all. Uh, secondly, the big thing would be leadership support, uh, pastoral training and support when a new pastor gets elected and he's got to do that first funeral, uh, that first wedding. Where do you go? Where do you start with some of these things? Encouragement. There's, a uh, you know, uh, pastors and deacons, we're all people. And we're all dealing with stuff. Uh, we had uh, a Deacon couple, and one of their they had a death in the family just uh, just uh, last week, couple of couple of weeks ago. And now we're dealing with you know there's that those people also dealing with things. So how do we encourage them as they try to encourage other people in the congregations? Or so those kind of uh, support pieces, uh, encouragement, and interim leadership. What happens when somebody retires? Uh, how do you fill in in between? So the conference steps in to make sure that there's leaders in place. Uh, during those times of transition and, and as we mentioned earlier when there's conflict um, in the church then the pastors will look after those things but what happens when there's conflict among leaders and and, and where do you go with those things and so the uh, conference can step in on those kinds of things and then there's a uh, do- the third thing would be doctrinal accountability and it's not like we're we're uh, chasing each other down on different doctrines but there's so many variables out there these days, people going online and finding all kinds of new ideas, and we don't want a church split every time there's a new idea out there. So how do we come together and measure uh, measure the way that we move with regard to doctrine? And so uh, there's accountability when we do that together. Then the last one, and probably the most obvious one, would be mission partnerships. Uh, every one of our little churches can't afford a, a, to support a missionary full-time, but together we can... We can all be involved in uh, sending out a number of missionaries uh, to make sure that uh, missions are happening out there. So those would be the key things.
0: So some of those things make sense to me. I understand that the conference is really, we've called it a hub in previous meetings. and And the different churches are spokes in that wheel. And the different programs and the different things that the churches do are, are different spokes, and, and it, the metaphor gets messy. But the structure of the CMC is a little different than some conferences might be, or it might be a little different than some people think. You've mentioned a lot of decisions that the conference handles for churches during transitions or uh giving resources to pastors i know i came to you dave the first time i did anything with a funeral i wasn't even leading it but i had no clue where to even start it's tough to to navigate navigate those things as a as a new pastor so as i understand it the conference is essentially one big church and right. and the individual churches are are spokes or branches off of that church.
2: It's interesting because that's actually a brand new idea again. Uh, one church with many locations uh, or many campuses, They the, the way they talk about, you know, large, uh, ch- uh, an independent church starts, it grows, and then it starts planting uh, campuses in different locations, and it's called One Church, Many Campuses. And that is ultimately what CMC is, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that kind of brings us into some of the finer details. As individuals, we understand uh, that we make choices. I put on a specific pair of socks in the morning. I choose a specific cereal to eat. I choose to shave my head or not. And we understand that as choices start to become more and more important, they start to affect more and more people. As churches, we also understand that a church makes decisions. Is there a point, is there a specific line that you can kind of put your finger on where the conference is like, no, that decision is outside of your capabilities. The conference will make that choice.
3: Um, yeah, there are points, I think, where there would be decisions that uh, would need a, a, a bigger uh, a vote or a bigger a voice. And uh, that's conference. Uh, uh, one of the documents that uh, leads our, con- our our conference and governs us and says how we how we run is the constitution. So if you don't, if you want to do something outside of the constitution or you want to change something within the constitution, uh, you've got to bring it to a a bigger meeting, a delegate meeting, is what we call them. Uh, and then you'd have to uh, have uh, churches uh, say, yeah, we we want this change as well. And so. Uh, to have a majority vote there. And so there are some, things, some of those things that you need. Uh, if there's irregularities in churches, uh, again, this borders on the conflict end of things, then uh, there'd be something that uh, the executive would get involved with uh, to some extent. And depending on the, the seriousness or the, the the irregularity, what what's going on uh, and how do we navigate these things. But that also would uh, would involve the conference, uh, particularly the new leaders, um, there's approval, there's examination committees that come from the, the conference leaders. And so there's uh, a, a number of things like that that would uh, limit the individual's church. Uh, although they still have a voice in this, uh, it would still limit uh, how much they would, uh, they would really speak to it.
0: So the delegate meeting, is that the ultimate authority on decisions?
3: Yeah, um, I think the delegate is, is where the decisions are made um it's it's an interesting system but but we do want our people to be on board with this and that's their voice um i think the the ministerial the executive leads this and so they have conversation uh they uh, lead in uh and the recommendations and so on and uh, and then the people say yeah we're with you on this we agree with you and so uh but yeah we, we would it's, it's, it isn't interesting, but we want our people, our church members, our conference members to all have a voice in this.
0: Uh, last time we spoke, we talked about how the conference gets invited into a situation that there can become a point where an individual church just doesn't feel comfortable making that call. Uh, is it fair to say that the conference makes decisions when invited or necessary?
2: Yeah, our constitution uh, has a clear statement uh, that the the conference will not um, interfere in the affairs of the local church unless invited or if there's serious irregularities. And so uh, if, if there's a group of members in a church or ultimately if the lead pastor says, hey, we're having some trouble here, can we have some help? We'd step in and help. Uh, and, and if there was a leadership challenge and there were... Uh, members of the church that would come together and say hey listen we need we need some help here on invitation the the conference executive will get involved in conversations but uh, ultimately the local church will uh, has to figure out how to do ministry how to share the gospel of Christ in its own community and as long as they're uh, finding ways of doing that it's 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 on them it's not up to the conference unless the conference uh, gets invited in. And so when there's, when there's uh, leadership questions, when there's uh, new leaders being sought, uh, new leaders being ordained, or, uh, or people retiring and transitions happening, that's typically where the conference will be involved.
0: So then when the conference does get involved, the bishop and assistant bishops come into a situation and they try to mediate uh, between two groups. Uh, so I understand that aspect. And a lot of people in the conference will understand that the bishop or assistant bishops, they come in to, to mediate and to resolve situations. But if a decision has to be made, how does the conference make a decision for people, for the church or for an individual church? Well, I think it depends on what the question is or
1: what the decision is to be made. That's why we do have that that constitution ahead of time so that we can uh, take a look through that and that should help us walk through it. And uh, I mean, there are some things um, that the the membership can, decisions the membership will make and so on, but there is is direction given in that document that we try and work together. And so how do we make that decision? Let's say if you want to, you know, the constitution, yeah, if you want to buy or sell a church or there's different things like that, they would... uh, Uh, there's a process there and if we're talking doctrine you know I think you know probably push to the end at some point we would say hey hang on this is what we believe and uh, if there's a a congregation that would say well we can't uh, believe that then we have a different conversation to have Um, you know there does come a point sometimes where there uh, where two groups of people don't see things eye to eye and so how would we do that then and so uh, that's another set of questions right and yet we would uh, we would prayerfully look at it and we would take one step at a time. Sometimes this is actually, as we as we make those steps, we learn as we go as well. I mean, to be honest about that, uh, that's sometimes what we what we do as we go along there. So we, we do try and do it with uh, being prayerful, having conversations, looking at the guidelines that we already have in place. Sometimes in that process, we learn as to what guidelines we should be adding or taking away. Yeah. Uh, that would help us come to those conclusions. But uh, anytime you have uh, uh, people involved in these things, you know, it's very seldom uh, just a simple slice, right? It, it's it's uh, seldom a, a clear cut answer. And so that's why we continue with the conversations. Uh, yeah. Does that make sense? Follow the yeah. question there, that, okay.
2: Yeah. That's good. I, I think I would highlight also the constitution. There's a, you know, the, a lot of the questions that we're, we address uh, are not the first time they're being addressed right so right. we've decided a long time ago that there's probably good standard ways of doing this that, that when there's a new leader put in place we don't have to reinvent the whole system of how do we find a leader we've done this before and we've written it down this is the way this is the way we've done it so it's in the constitution also uh, aware that uh, we grow up and think differently we've got uh, a lot of our churches are full-time pastors now which wasn't the case 50 years ago And so there's been some adjustments in the way we do some things in the way you find a full-time pastor. So the last statement in the constitution is change me. And so the constitution gets changed once in a while. So here's the default. As long as you're working within the constitution, then go ahead and do it. If, if we're outside the constitution, then we need to have a conversation as a conference to say, is there a better way to do this? And then write it in so that we don't have to argue about it next year. Right? So, so, um, and, and the constitution and the bylaws get changed by the delegates. So the ministerials will, will have conversation about these things, and a pre- presentation will be made to the delegates. But it's it's only the delegates that will get to decide whether the the um, statement of faith will get changed.
1: Okay. Something uh, I'd like to add to that as well. One of the things that we have here is that when Dave was talking about, you know, um, the the conference and what's the primary benefit. One of the things that I find in these conversations are the intangibles and that is getting together with a number of other pastors in our conference and having uh, conversations, uh, those kind of unofficial conversations where we can wrestle with each other and say, hey, what makes the most sense? This is what's happening in our church, uh, Stan, what would you do, Dave or Alex? How do we do this together? And I think, I think um, that's actually quite valuable. And when we have that conversation with other legal uh, leaders as well, and yet it's not one of the things that we have written down, but I think it's helpful for us. And that, that I think as well is, a, is really a benefit of being together with other churches.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I remember, so when I was pastoring in Winnipeg for 10 years there, uh, the conference ministerial meets once a month, last Thursday of the month we get together. And I never missed those meetings because that's the place where other pastors are getting together. and We get to talk about how are you dealing Are you dealing with these circumstances and how are you addressing them? These days, the the COVID thing is is very real. So we're working with restrictions. You can get 10% uh, capacity in your building. How are you doing ministry to your people? And so as we hear what what they're doing in other churches, it gives us um, ideas for how to help our people in our circumstances.
0: That's good. I remember joining the conference and definitely feeling that sense of, the ministerial meetings were church because I was trying to learn how to lead a church, uh, and and I connected more with the people that were helping me do that than, than the people I was leading Sunday mornings. I I really appreciate that each meeting started with prayer, and everyone could voice a prayer concern or a prayer request or praise item, and so then we worked together, but but we do that all with prayer first. And, and that was always uh, the best part of the meeting to know that we're in this together uh, and we don't have to struggle through our issues and our problems by ourselves. That's right. Yeah. Um, so going back to some of the choices that are made I know that there are delegate meetings, and we've talked about that now uh, a few times, but there's also ministerial conventions, uh, ministerial, annual ministerial meetings where we try to invite all the churches from B.C., the two churches from B.C., and uh, we try to get all the ministerial together, and usually some decisions are made there as well. Are there types of decisions, and I'm sure the Constitution lays this out, but are there types of decisions that are delegate decisions and types that are ministerial decisions?
3: Um, I think uh, there are different decisions. Uh, Usually these decisions come through the ministerial uh, first. Uh, Often if there's a Constitution change uh, proposal offered by one of the churches, it'll come through the ministerial first and then the ministerial of those local churches will bring it to their members. They'll discuss it and then they'll bring it back to a delegate meeting. So, And that's often at a ministerial convention where, where some of this happens. Uh, budgets uh, get approved at the ministerial convention as well as uh, the delegate meeting. So there's an informal and then there's a more of a formal uh, seeming uh, vote uh, where, the con- where the ministerial gets to speak to this thing first and see it. And, and then we pass it on to the members and say, yeah, we, we, we've thought through this thing and we think it's a good budget uh, here. What do you guys think? And so uh, so the Ministry of Conventions uh, do this. We, we bring these these constitutional changes, uh, uh, budgets, et cetera, uh, there, and, and we see this. Um, often we have some theological conversation, uh, women in leadership or uh, something like that that we get to talk about and sort through with someone a pastor is wrestling with something in their church often another pastor is too. Uh, and so how do we connect that conversation so they can talk together, right? So, and often those happen at ministerial conventions as well. And so, and then at delegate meetings, uh, we have, uh, I think there's a fellowship time of, of just getting people together. We do meals together and so on. And, and then we make elections and we approve these things as well. So, so there are a lot of similarities, but there are differences as well. And, and so, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of happening with Ministerial Convention and, and the delegate meetings uh, in,
0: the, in this area. Uh, Sam, we talked about the name change a little bit. I think that that's a decent, uh, decent example that it illustrates those two things that Stan was talking about. Can you walk us through how that went through the, the whole process?
1: Yeah, we, we had a committee that met together here uh, to work through this. And, of course, all of the churches were able to uh, put in names that they wanted to have uh, for the name change. And now, this, of course, happened after we had already decided uh, to do this. This was our second or third time that we had talked about a name change. And so it was over a period of, I don't know, I'm guessing 15 years or something like that or 20 years. I'm not sure, David, Stan, maybe you know. But anyways, over a number of years. And so then we had the decision was made by our delegates that we are going to look at a name change. And so then we worked on it here at this committee, uh, putting all of those names together that they suggested. And the exact process now, um, we looked at them at ministerial meetings and uh, also with the delegates. All of the churches uh, sent in their names to the head office here and then we counted them and then that's how we got to that. And uh, which, which can be, you know, sometimes we think, oh, let's hurry up and get this done. But I think it's better to include everybody in the process as we go along. And, and you hear interesting things as we're going along. Uh, One is, let's have a name that's completely separate from what we've had before, right? Because it's hard to explain, you know, being the Gortitzer Mennonite Conference. And In other words, say let's make sure that we keep the CMC, uh, uh, those three letters, let's keep that together so that we can, uh, it's not too big a change. And at the end of the day, it it came back as CMC. But all of the churches had the opportunity to vote. They gave those votes in on a Sunday morning or whenever they had their vote over a two-week period. And then the leaders of those churches sent them into head of office, and then we counted them.
0: I I kind of remember that process a little bit, uh, but it, essentially the delegates sent you sent the ministerial on the task of getting a name change, and yeah. they agreed to let's change the name, and then it went to the ministerial, and the ministerial are. Uh, decided to appoint sam and some other people uh, to a group and this group will be a committee to change the name and then Mm -hmm. you sent back to the people let's hear your names uh yeah and so it kind of went back and forth it started with the delegates then it goes to the ministerial and then it goes to the people and then back to some ministerial, then back to the group of ministerial to look at these are the 10 names. Uh, we'll send these to the churches. They had two weeks and that whittled it down to three names. And then uh, those votes were passed through the church's ministerial back to the group. And then the group presented the three names, which were brought back to the churches. For the delegates to then vote on. And I remember voting at the delegate meeting on the name that I didn't want to use, which wasn't the name I voted for, but I voted for it because I'll sent as a delegate from the church. Yeah. So so the delegates represent the individual churches. Right. And I think that it was good
1: because we also asked why do we want to change the name? We had we talked about purpose and all of those things, and uh, to do that together was, was very good, I think.
2: I remember having a conversation with another conference leader asking, oh, you're in, a, you're in the big one, like changing the name, like that's a lot of conflict, and, it, and it, well, for us it wasn't. There was kind of an no. agreement at one delegate yeah. meeting that we need to change the name. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, so as, then we decided to elect a committee to present names and we'll choose one of them. And we did that and it was a, a positive, encouraging partnership and together, we just agreed this needed to be done and we did it. And it was. Uh, and uh, I know that some other conference leaders were uh, surprised actually that uh, that it had gone smoothly. And But it was, there was a real unity about the need to change it and the agreement to change it and then move forward. So that was good. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah when you start off with 85 names, there's plenty of opportunity to disagree, right? and yeah. even coming down to 10 or whatever it was and, and all of that. Yeah. Um, and even the end result could have, you know, you could have had a lot of, ah, oh, why did we do that? And, But I, I, I agree with Dave. I thought it was a very positive experience.
0: Yeah. yeah. But this brings up a bit of a question, uh, and we'll end with this. Why do the delegates exist if the ministerial are already the elected voice of the individual churches? Wouldn't we be able to just say, we trust the ministerial, uh, let's have ministerial meetings. They'll bring the voice of the, the people, their people, to, to the conference and eliminate one of those two uh, conventions or meetings.
3: Um, one of the, I think, the things that we want to, we want to be united, uh, Scripture talks a lot about being united, and I think as a ministerial, we want to be that. But we also want to be that as churches, and so we want to hear, uh, just a, as a local church leader, um, I want our church family to be on the same page, and I want them to be in agreement and be on board, say, yes, let's do this. And uh, so I think that the delegate meeting allows us to have that voice and, uh, and, and affirms that. Uh, even though the ministerial is leading and giving direction and recommendations and so on, uh, we, we want our, our people to be together on this, and I think... Having that delegate meeting allows for that voice to be heard. Um, it seems like a little bit of a formality at times, but uh, but that voice is important to us. I think as leaders, and uh, and we want to hear that our church uh, our church people are saying, yeah, we're with you guys on this journey, right? If we vision and we we move towards a future, and we say, hey, we would like to do this and this and this, uh, but nobody's walking with us and saying, I don't know about that. Uh, we, we kind of find ourselves not leading anybody and, and really we're out of a job at that point. So uh, this delegate meeting allows us to come together and, uh, and say, yeah, we're moving together in this direction. And so that's why it's important to us.
1: Yeah, if I can add to that, or yeah. I agree, I agree 100%. I think what, when people are invested, when they know that they can come to a meeting and say something and that's actually going to, uh, you know, carry some weight, if you will, or be taken seriously. I think that's a a great piece of it. If we all have our hands involved, uh, you know, and, and in the heavy lifting, I think that's excellent. I remember uh, years ago going to a Blue Bomber game, and uh, the Bombers were losing by quite a quite a bit of points there, and uh, people started to leave. You know, it was the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden the Bombers started to have a comeback. They had to have like two touchdowns and a field goal or something. Well, it didn't take very long and the people that had left couldn't get back in. So they were pressed against the fence uh, watching because the bombers actually came back and won in overtime. And you know what, when, when we're in, when we're invested and involved, then we stay in and we work together and we're, we watch the team right till the end rather than just looking from a distance. And so I, I think uh, for them to be in, uh, involved and invested, I think it's great because then they go home they take these conversations home with them. And uh, it's not just what we do Sunday morning or Monday evening but it's a part of our lives.
2: There's also a piece of accountability. Um, and, and every organization has a board of directors. You got a CEO on top that's, that's calling the shots, but ultimately the answers to someone. Uh, and, and so the delegates have a, a final word. Sometimes uh, leaders can get some interesting ideas and you have to, um, you're not actually leading if people aren't following. And so that's a place to measure and hold some accountability and that's an annual meeting. So,
0: yeah, I think accountability—that's the the key to to keeping us honest and and keeping keeping us checked with to some measure. And I think that conference can be painful at times, but ultimately it keeps us going in, in the same direction. And and we we live in that tension. Uh, one church might be saying one thing and another be saying a different thing. And and if we can respect each other and recognize that the value of each other is not in our ideals, but in the intrinsic value that God gives us, then, then that's okay to have disagreements. It's okay to have conversations. Uh, and I hope that this podcast can kind of do some of that. And, and can be a cog in this wheel or a spoke. Uh, I should stop mixing metaphors, but I, I think that this can be part of that conversation. It can be part of the, the work of the conference to connect people, to, to make it easier to, to join together, uh, collaborate uh, and talk. Well, thank you so much, guys, for being here.